You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome, everybody, to another Michigan Life Outdoors podcast episode. Thanks for being here. Before we get into it, I just want to make sure that you guys have subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and or Stitcher, Spotify, all great ways that you can listen to the podcast. We're trying to bring other platforms to you guys as well, so we'll let you know when those when those become available. But uh, also follow us over on Instagram at MyLifeOutdoors. You can always see what we're up to, what adventures that uh, that we're doing at that time, current in the season, etc. But in this episode, we all talk about documenting and or filming our outdoor adventures, whether that be hunting, fishing, whatever it is. There's a lot of years of experience behind the camera between all four of us. We talk about our successes. We talk about our failures. We talk about why we do it. And we give you guys some basic setups and some gear that we think is essential in the field that will make you more successful when it comes to documenting and filming, filming your hunts. And to be honest with you, I don't think you'll ever regret documenting or filming your outdoor adventures because you can learn a lot from it. It's a cool way to share it with others, family members, friends, whatever it is, to show them the lifestyle that you love so much. So without any further ado, here we are and uh, enjoy. All right, we're back for another episode. Some of us are nice and overdone, cooked from the sun. We're starting to get more tan as we get into uh, warmer weather and it's uh it's been good to get outside and enjoy those uh, those nice lake days and things like that. Summertime. June 6th today. Some of the boys been on the water. What did you guys get into? Uh, everything that would bite. A lot of crappie, a lot of gills, uh, fishing on their beds. I'm surprised you guys got crappie that late. So. I was super surprised. I went out there on a scouting mission and was going to let Kelly know, and you guys know that, oh, they're on their bed, they're not on their bed. I was looking for bluegill, and yeah. uh, all the crappie were on their bed still. So you guys lucked out Super there. lucky, yeah. Kelly, what'd you get into? Uh, we went fishing. We got a new boat. That was awesome. And we went fishing for some crappie and got a couple limits. And it's been really good. I got the new newborn at home, so I haven't fished too much. But uh, it's been really good, really enjoyable. I didn't tell you guys, but I dip netted uh, two different gar pike last night in oh, the nice. in the dip net. Lifted them up, took a picture of them, threw them back in there. Nice. What <laughs> yeah. time did that happen? Uh, midnight or something crazy. Oh, yeah. did you tie one on out by the campfire? We were hanging out and having a good old time. Man. Always throw the net in there. Well, cool. Well, you guys hear it. We're all on the water getting uh, 
getting our fix of that time of year. But as always, we're always thinking about what's next and what to you know inform you all about. And we decided on this podcast episode, we're going to do a little bit of our setup when it comes to filming. Um, these guys got a lot of experience when it comes to filming. I've got probably six, seven years where I've been doing it more on the fishing side than I have on the hunting side. Actually, my first hunting was this year with the turkeys that I sent you guys. It was exciting. Yeah, that was a good video, Which too. It was pretty Super cool. cool. So that was a lot easier. I know that turkeys compared to whitetail. But anyways, we're going to go through a lot of the do's and don'ts, gear setup, things like that. Hopefully, uh, this is just kind of scratching the surface. Um, we'll try not to overwhelm you guys too much and go too far into the weeds. But I think it's a good perspective because... Uh, well, I guess a good, a, a good spot to start would be like, why do we do it? Because mm-hmm. it creates so much more headaches. It's a different variable when you're out hunting. It's almost like another person hunting with you that could screw something up and it's all related to camera gear. But I guess we'll just start with you guys. Like, why did you guys start getting into filming and what, what was that bug all about that you guys just can't seem to shake? I think we got started cause, uh, I was always pulling the craziest stuff ever. And I didn't think anybody would believe me. So I'm like, I'm bringing the camera. Watch this. You won't <laughs> believe what happened. Then we kind of started working together and being addicted to showing people, then reliving the moment and then growing. And we were at, it's probably starting around, we were just talking 2003-ish, 2004. And we were pretty low level, pretty uh, cheap cameras, pretty basic, make our own camera mounts, a C-clamp to the tree stand and just figuring it out. We put them in a general direction, wide angle, and whatever it gets, it gets kind of deal. And um, we've been growing ever since. What was the first thing you recorded? Do you remember? Hmm. Kel dropped three cameras in the water one week duck hunting. That was towards the beginning. Canada, 33-hour drive. Oh, I do remember the very first oh, one. Three cameras? Yeah. In one week. <laughs> what was the problem there? Well, pretty young, pretty dumb. <laughs> and then uh, the first thing we got on camera, I remember, it was up north, and uh, it was a spike deer. And got it, dropped it on the pile, and it let out. Is that the forehead one? I don't think it hit in the forehead. I think I spined it. I shot a little high in accident. It just goes down, and we rewatched that like... Uh, 200 times in a row. I remember row. that. I think it might still be on the highlight video or something. I do remember that one. Yeah, check out the highlight video. We got 50 kill shots in... Two minutes? Two minutes. Like two minutes. So it's just seconds. pure action. Give everybody the the bragging rights thing again, just so people can hear it. I always link it in the show notes, but just if you're listening to this right now... Bragging rights outdoors. Rights is spelled with a Z and not an S. Bragging rights with a Z outdoors yeah. on youtube type that in it'll want to change that z to an s right which yeah. is like a wwe wrestling thing or something <laughs> don't click on that one all right that's not our page that's our side gig <laughs> z bragging rights with a z outdoors and that'll take us there yeah so it's I, got a picture of a buck on, that's uh, right. on a boat as a as a main picture there that you should click on yeah i was gonna mention that that's when you know you're at the right one but uh so yeah so t-pain what about you uh i videoed a little bit before these guys these guys were way more into it than i was um i shot a black bear up in up and i uh, basically stuck the camera it was a baited black bear hunt stuck the camera to a mount pointed it at there and and uh when i seen him coming turned it on and tried to get the shot and the reaction and the video turned out really cool and i showed carson and um pretty much started going on trips with these guys me and carson known each other forever but i didn't really hunt with them till uh last 10 years or so yeah and uh these guys are driving me nuts like oh we got to take a camera you got them on a camera here 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 (laughs) and uh yeah just uh i kind of fell into it with these guys gets pricey yeah kp um same thing I, i think we learned a lot too about our experiences about what we think the animals did and what they actually did we learned a ton by videotaping and then recording. So I always like the, of course, the bragging rights is showing it off. We always love that. But the learning aspect of it is really addictive to me of 
you know, did that deer really just do that bleed or did he come in because of this or did he really hear me or was there something else going on? We learned a ton from playing back the footage as well as I can't tell you how many times we replayed uh, shot placements and having oh, confidence yeah. of how how we did or, you know, what we would have done different. Or uh, Also, we have just our last year, we had uh, deer duck. Um, big doe that was uh, filming with Carson and if you watch it in real time you think man you suck you missed a, a foot high and you watch in slow-mo frame by frame that deer ducked a foot and a half in a 30-yard window and if you didn't have it on film you would not believe me but it, you would think you'd messed up yeah if it was just yeah. naked eye with no camera you're like how would I blow that shot it felt so good but then you watch it in slow-mo and you're like I didn't blow the shot the deer moved like only stuff that cameras can tell you Mm-hmm. It happens a lot too. It happened to me and Carson shot elk in Colorado and it ducked like a foot. Like how it, far out? 30, 25 yards, 30 wow. yards. That big of an animal. So that's huge. Not saying they're, well, yeah, they're slower than whitetail. So it, everyone knows the reflex of a whitetail. Look at the elk's ducking you. Yeah. It it was, you can't even tell like watching it with your eye, but slow mo, you can see the arrows in the air and everything. And this thing just drops. Wow. It's crazy. We love that camaraderie too. You know, you have a beer after the hunt and the guys are high fiving and hooting and hollering and, you know, hey, check this out, man. And we just love reliving that moment. It's our, it's our high, you know, it's, it's, it's what we live for. And then you can share it over and over with yourself and anybody you want to share it with. Hey, you want to see what happened? I can tell you a story, but check this out. You won't believe yeah. it. And then you can watch it and then you can explain your story. And it's like, you get to see it and relive it over and over. I think for me, that's what like, when I film all my fishing stuff, I've got a duck hunting video out there too that we did on Saginaw Bay layout hunting. Um, for me, it's like, I'm always worried I'm going to forget it. You know what I mean? So it's like, if I've got it in a video format mm-hmm. for me, like, I don't know, maybe when I'm older in my eighties and I can't do shit anymore, like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that hunt or yeah, that's where we used to hunt there. I'm not, it, it's always good. It's like a, it's like a digital journal, if that makes sense. Yep. And I think it's always cool too, like during your videos, if you commentate on it at the beginning or the end, so you could say like, or you could write it in the the writings and things like that to be like, this is the day, this is the temperature, things like that. And then over time you can put that journal together and then it can be like a playbook for you to be like, this was, this is what they were doing that time of year and this temperature of water. Or if you're out hunting, this is the conditions, this is what was going on. Just stuff like that, that you guys can you know, still used to your advantage as well. But like, oh. you, like you said, priceless memories. Yeah. Dad's past. Now we go back and watch his videos. I do. I'm like, well, this is cool. You know, hear his voice and exactly how it yeah. is. It's pretty special. And yeah. we've done some trips now, 10, 15 years ago. We're like, what was the date on that? Or, you know, where was that? Okay. Let's go watch the video again. We'll learn, you know, even right. though we, we did it ourselves, but you forget stuff. So yeah. it's priceless. I think the kids will appreciate it one day. Mm-hmm. It's like an extension of your trophy room. Yeah. You shoot all these big animals and you get them mounted and people come over and you tell them the story and like, you should watch the video. Like, right. Like you just get, it's just an extra, you know, an add on. Yeah. So it's a good little background of why we do what we do. Um, not a lot of people carry stuff out there. It seems like, uh, you know, it can definitely ruin a hunt or a fishing trip. Um, it's something to think about too. It's like having another variable that you're constantly worried about. And that's what can be, I think, I think that's the number one thing of why people give up on it. Um, it's challenging. It's, it's tough. It's really tough. Even from fishing aspect, you're surrounded by water and your electronics don't like water. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just things like that you, that you start to think about. But I think if we break it down here, hopefully with, you know, gear set up, um, you know, we'll have some prices on some things or two. Hopefully it's not too intimidating to you. And I encourage everybody to go out and do it. So and start simple. That's okay. We're yeah. not getting, you know, movie production quality. Just get a camera, start in that right direction. And then you can improve from there. And at least you got the memory and the action on tape, even if the quality's right. not there. It's and still- the skill set is more important than the actual products that you use. So mm-hmm. just using them, trying them, learn how to be able to move cameras or when deer are coming in and when to do that, when not to do that is is more important than how you know how much resolution your camera has. That's right. that's mm-hmm. in, insignificant as opposed to learn your angles, learn your skills, yeah. and, and use the products. Good point. Everybody has a, a brand new, awesome cell phone. It seems like we do a lot of stuff on cell phones. Kel's awesome at it. You can do a lot of editing and videoing and all kinds of stuff. Turning it sideways though. 
I always, I always turn the side. Always turn the side. There's a tip right there. Anybody who's, before, who's filming with your vertical phone up in the air, you're going to get yelled that. at. Yes. yes, do not do that. Um, all right, so let's get into a little bit of gear basic stuff. That way we can um, start to go down different paths that way. Uh, if someone wanted to get into this to start with, they walk into um, a Walmart or a Meyer, or they're on Amazon. There's different ways that we can go. There's DSLRs, which are like cameras, um, like photography cameras, but also have video capability, which is what I run. Then there's like the handheld units that you guys are kind of probably used to seeing. Um, I guess if whoever wants to take this one to start, what would you suggest or what to look for in a camera? That's a good question. Me personally, I would go with a handheld video camera. Um, it, it It's easy to use. It's simple. You point and shoot. We use that camera 90% of the time, both for interviews, uh, for our main camera when uh, harvesting an animal. Um, and then we just add on an action camera next to it. So with those two cameras is 99% of what we shoot with uh, the exception of our cell phones, which is just some photography and some time lapse. Um, and we do a little bit of drone stuff too, which is all extra. But to answer your question, I think a handheld camera is what we do 90% of our stuff with. Um, there's tons of attachments. So you can add flashlights and microphones and all that extra stuff, which is not necessary, but it's definitely helpful. And then um, my second choice would be an action camera, such as uh, we use the Contour, which is a slide on, slide off, really simple action camera with a wide lens. Um, more popular is like a GoPro and things like that. Those gotcha. are just wide angle, really simple action cameras. I think you do whatever's in your budget and make it work with your camera. One thing for hunting that a lot of camera people don't think about, a lot of times you're in low light situations yeah. in the morning or at the at the evening so the bigger your actual lens is the more light it lets in and the better it works on low light conditions for the guys who don't know anything about cameras right so um, there's a difference between a hundred dollar camera and a five hundred dollar camera and sometimes in the perfect conditions they both can be pretty comparable but when you get in that low light conditions you'll start to see a lot different quality but just start off with what fits you what about features of the camera like must-haves like i think a flip screen would be mm -hmm. like a must-have most of them have it nowadays right i think so that yeah. camera has a, a steady shot for when it's not on a tripod and we use that a lot have you ever seen that that, that no, shaking out that? of it you can literally move the we camera around oh it's built okay like and it's image stabilization yes. inside the camera yeah so I you can you. be you press that button you can shake it up and down move it all over and the picture actually stays perfectly still i got you so it Perf takes perfect world we want a tripod every time but that doesn't always right. happen so anybody with like a dslr is with your sometimes it's in your lenses or it's in the body of the camera which is like just image stabilization. So yeah, that's a huge thing. Cause no, I mean, shaky footage isn't that fun to watch. Yeah. You know, so that's a good tip. And I think Carson just nailed it. You know, use your budget, use your circumstance. If this is the first time ever picking up a camera, I wouldn't be spending money on, you know, image stabilization. I wouldn't be spending money on external mics. Just go out and use the stuff. And right. If you've been doing this for a long time, you're look, looking for upgrades, then sure, take some of these things into consideration. But we've been doing this for you know 20 years now, so we kind of keep growing and getting a little bit better each each year. Every year we say, this is the best video we've ever made. <laughs> and the next video, <laughs> this is the best video we've ever got because we keep improving. And then we watch the ones from five years ago, like, God, these are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Get a camera that's easy to turn on and use. Um, that's one reason I, I don't like some cameras. Uh, they're great. It takes a hard press of a button, two seconds to turn it on. You don't know if it's on. Yeah. You need to be able to, in action and hunting. You don't have time. So, I mean, even a half a second faster, one second faster, easy. We love these contour action cameras because Kelly mentioned the slide. What that slide is, is it's on and recording or it's off. There's no buttons. There's nothing. It's just a slide oh. down. So when it's on, it's recording automatically. Automatically. Yes. So, so no as a GoPro, you turn it on. You right. have to wait a second or two. Right. And then you have to push record. Then you have to wait a second or two. And then it records. You're talking like three to four seconds before that's actually recording. Yeah. When I'm in a tree stand, I have three cameras up there with me. I do not have time to wait three seconds on each camera. A deer is already going to be coming gone. So with these contour cameras, which they don't make anymore, but you can still find them on Amazon and on eBay, 
um, why they don't make them. You know, I think the business went under, but they're awesome. Simple slide switch, and I don't ever touch it again. So I get it angled where I want. And usually that's on me, the hunter. So that, or if we have a couple guys, but that's a wide angle shot that's on me. And then my other cameras, hopefully catching the deer. And uh, one so- simple switch on. It's on and recording, and I don't have to do anything else. So easy. And what he means by that is his action camera, that wide-angle small one. You're getting your own reactions. He's videotaping his own face, how he's holding the bow, how he's looking. And when we got to these videos, that's a really nice piece to add in there. And they talk to that camera, and it's easy. So he's setting that up on a branch and facing each other. Branch are a lot of times just on my uh, bow hanger. Carson is the used one. He holds it. I use a bow hanger every time. Uh, keep in mind, bow, hunt, bow hangers aren't always legal on public land, that's so right, that's something yeah. to consider. But if you're on private land or if you're in a state that allows it, uh, but it's on my bow hanger and I have a simple uh, little, it's called a small rig little uh, clamp there that works out awesome. It hooks right on my bow hanger and no matter what angle, I can always adjust it to have it straight on me. So what that is, that small hanger is like a C-clamp, basically, that pinches or wedges around anything. Mm -hmm. And then you can just tighten it up. It's pinched onto that branch or that bow hanger. And for the state land, you can use bow hangers that strap around the tree, I think. They Mm -hmm. just can't penetrate the tree. With the contour, though, you can't see of what it's pointing at. So you really just got to kind of guess in the general direction. But you have that wide angle. So that's why, you know, I guess GoPro went to the point where you could see what you were filming but i think in this matter um especially if you're in a tree stand you've got such a wide angle and if you're looking down or if you got it out on a branch looking at you as long as you're in the area i would imagine you're going to be in the shot yeah. anyways and it's time right so it's super nice feature of gopro one it eats up a ton of battery um two is i don't have time to look at that i'm trying to focus on my other camera and right. what's in that frame so um on that three to four foot range again go back to using it right use it 10 times i promise you you're gonna have confidence of knowing what's in that shot just by you know being comfortable with that camera and any wide angle lens your phone these action cameras these gopros these contours they're great for 10 yards and under don't point that camera out at your shot and that deer's 30 yards out. It will look like it's a mile out there. You right. can't see any details. It's made for action and close, super wide angle. So don't use them wide angle action cameras to actually try to capture your shot. You'll be really disappointed. You'll be a lot happier using the regular standard video camera. And a big um, beginner mistake, everyone zooms in too far on the regular cameras just let it be wide they're good cameras they'll zoom in you'll miss a lot of the action just leave it on regular normal wider angle if that makes sense and especially if you're self-filming that's a that's a big ad to if you're self-filming and a deer takes two more steps and you're zoomed in you just lost it right right if you're filming someone else you have a little more flexibility but keep in mind as you grow and if you decide to start doing some work in post-production that we can always trim stuff out mm-hmm. or zoom in more but we we can't zoom out so it's, it's i think people get lost sometimes i remember when i first started filming what i'm looking at on my little screen yeah I'm thinking like, wow, that looks so small. I need to zoom in. You got to imagine this is going to get on someone's computer, on a phone, or on a com- or on a TV. That little window that's there is going to look. It's going to look a lot bigger in post production. So like when you get that video back there, like you're saying, don't zoom in too much because then that just stresses me out even more when you can't find it in the video and things are happening so fast you're like i can't find it, i can't find it if you just kind of leave it at a broad range and as long as you see it in the square i think post at it you'll be able to figure it out yep but uh all right so there's basic camera setups i use a dslr um i use a sony a6500 which is uh, a mirrorless camera that's super affordable um that's probably six hundred dollars now i think they're going for and then the Canon 80D um, is my other shooter as well. These at the time when I purchased them were around a thousand bucks, which for me I got it more for the photography, taking pictures of the kids, things like that. It was the family camera, even though I could take it out hunting and <laughs> sure. with me. Um, but uh, another, you know, those are great things to kind of get introduced to too if you want to get into photography side of things. So. Um, you know, you'll with those you'll have to buy different lenses, and uh, I can give you just probably two lenses that you'd want to start with: um, a wide-angle one, so that that wide angle 
kind of like what, what you guys were talking about for interviews. If you're holding it out and let's say it's a 10 to 18 millimeter lens, that's a wide angle lens. You're going to get everything in the shot. Even if it's, if you're just holding it in your hand, arm length out from you. Um, great for interviews. Great for, uh, it's kind of seeing what's behind you too sometimes, um, when you're out there. And then the other lens that, uh, I would recommend, which is kind of like an overall lens, which is a 20, 24 to 70 millimeter lens. Great for photography. Um, getting that deer down on the ground or that whatever your trophy is. It's a great lens for you to take a good quality, high resolution shot if you want to afterwards. And you can kind of edit that up afterwards, but yeah. So just on the mirrorless and the DSLR side of things, um, that's another route that you can go if you didn't want to do the, uh, the handheld, um, you know, traditional kind of stuff. I don't use those too much, but I've heard great things. Uh, the hunting public talks about those cameras a lot and doing yeah. landscape shots or the, yep. the morning or the, the dust shots. Uh, they, they really speak highly of, of using those in their videos. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like they can get really expensive. So there's so many of them for sale online, um, eBay, Facebook marketplace, things like that. Cause there's always the enthusiasts out there looking to upgrade to get the latest and greatest model because they're like cell phones. They come out once every other year kind of thing. And they've, they've always got to have the latest and greatest. So when that does come out, um, like I said, you can get a couple lenses and a body, uh, probably like for around six, 700 bucks and you've got different lenses and a high quality image, but yeah, there's, you can go into the weeds on those things as far as you want to go. Yeah. But we, uh, we bought used cameras. Uh, a couple of these are used. We get the Canon S21s. They're 10 years old. They were 1000 bucks new. We buy them all the time for 230 bucks. Yep. Uh, you know, used are great. Get a couple of them. That way when Kelly breaks them, we're not as mad. <laughs> <laughs> Another piece of equipment that I think people really need to have is a tripod because... Mm-hmm. I was going to say that too. Mm-hmm. It, it's a great way to start off when you guys are hunting for the first time and or fishing or whatever it is, you can kind of start to play with the camera of like hitting play or hitting record. And then you kind of walking into the screen and starting to figure things out, um, that way, but also, uh, starting on the ground for ground hunting. A lot of people do a lot of ground hunting for bow, archery, gun, things like that. Um, start small, something like that. Cause it doesn't have to get as complicated as climbing up into a tree stand with all that equipment. I'm sure yep. that gets a lot more. Confusing. And we're going elk hunting this fall, September. We drew tags. I don't know if we told you that yet, but we got our tags. Oh, you did? Awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear we're that. Super excited. Elk tag, mule deer tag and a bear. So we'll be, uh, we're loaded up, man. <laughs> it's been holding out. Yeah. We can't start working out. Yeah. Some more. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we'll be, uh, we'll be dragging. All of us will have tripods there because yeah. we're, calling for each other and we're self-filming because we'll spread out a little bit to kind of increase our odds so we'll be using tripods and cameras and try to catch it on film when you guys go out do you guys each have your own camera yep yeah well we each have like two or three two cameras or three, yeah each of you have two or three cameras yeah we will i usually don't carry the action cameras but i usually have a handheld he'll have one we're gonna make them have one so yeah one main camera that gets your whatever you're harvesting for us this fall will be elk that'll be facing out that we can zoom in, zoom out, whatever. And then we'll have the action camera that's facing on us. So both will be mounted to the tripod. So we'll set the tripod in front of us, two, three foot, hopefully be able to shoot right past the tripod at whatever our target is. I got you. Have the action camera on us and the main camera on whatever we're shooting at, hopefully a big old elk. In my opinion, an absolute must when we're talking about these tripods and camera mounts is a three-way pan head. What that means is it turns left and right, up and down but an angle so an angle left and right because you don't have time to set this thing up on perfect ground you're on side of a hill or the branch is a little crooked if you have that extra um pan head i think you call it right yeah um, like picture the horizon and then taking that horizon and and moving it left and right or up and down so that's what he means by like a pan head i got you. so it's when it's crooked you adjust that one extra adjustment. Now you're straight and you're square again for that horizon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then you can still move up and down and left and right. So you just set your tripod there or in the tree stand, you're you're rigging up a bunch of different clamps that we use to all these branches. And, and it's not perfectly straight. It's on an angle. So you use that extra pan head to boom, square it back up. Um, that's pretty important. We use that all the time because it's always spot and stalk or we're calling elk or even whitetail we're constantly moving and so you don't have time to spend 10 minutes setting up your tripod that's really important tripod's a must i think i use a manfrotto is the name of mine is the brand that's usually like you can find that at like best buy 
and like entry into that's like 40 to 60 bucks you can get a decent one for that um again you don't have to spend a lot of money but i think it's something that if you're going to get into self-filming hunts definitely get a tripod because you're going to want to set that camera down at some point to focus mm-hmm. on the task at hand which is you know harvesting an animal or you know fishing or whatever you're doing um so that's a good tip what other can you guys think battery maintenance buy the big extra large battery <laughs> carry a lot of them yeah it depends on what kind of batteries right so sometimes they're rechargeable sometimes uh we have i guess maybe more trail cameras we have like double a always buy the best biggest baddest batteries that you can buy spend the extra money whether that's lithium or uh, higher you know amp uh you know rechargeable batteries always the best the best that's something you can't go wrong and same thing with sd cards if you have um if you're just even backing them up, if your camera has an internal hard drive or sometimes they have backup where we'll take the footage when we're out there, right. back it up to SD card. And then that way we have a spare copy if something happens to that right. camera. Um, always buy class 10s and always just buy good SD cards that are rated at high speeds. When it comes to batteries, like when we were talking about affordability and cameras and stuff like that this is the kind of stuff you want to think about so if you can buy a camera that you want and you said let's say you set aside five hundred dollars but you max that out this accessory part of things like these are the must-have so if you could buy a camera for 350 dollars but then you buy two extra batteries and then a tripod you're going to thank yourself down the road because I don't know how many times, like, I can't have enough batteries. And depending on the camera, if you do some research on it, there's forums on there where guys say how quick it eats it up. Um, I know my Sony A6500, it eats it through a lot. So I have six batteries at all times ready to go. Now, when you're going up the mountain, you can't afford that weight sometimes. So it's something to think about. We get these pretty heavy-duty batteries, and what are they 250 minutes man i was gonna say 350 350 minutes like we take one battery and this whole camera weighs um a pound and a half and we're good for a five-day trip on one battery then you gotta think about conditions so if it's cold out yeah you, i mean mm-hmm. i always again when you're getting the weight that's what made me think about it is i always keep two batteries on my chest that's close to me because it'll keep that lithium ion battery warm and it won't die as fast so when let's say you're running low on battery you have elk coming in or something like that just reach into your chest well you know inner zipper whatever it is pop in a new battery and it's nice and warm going into that camera it's going to last a lot longer it's a lot to think about so we've done it ice fishing we put uh hand warmers in the camera battery bag and uh we use drills on our augers oh there you go and you sit out in the cold and it'll, it'll eat a drill battery up so we right. put them in like a dry bag and throw a couple hand warmers in there what size sd cards do you guys go with because i've got my opinion on this too that just from experience that i don't try to go too big on it so like if i do um if when i buy my gigabytes i always i don't go any more than 64 because if I put too much on there and I've got too much stuff on a huge memory card, for me, it's rough because it's a lot more to cipher through. And then you can organize it into, all right, well, this one's done on 64. That was this part of the trip. You kind of write on the outside of it and then you go to the next part. If you have the entire trip on one big gigabyte, it sucks to go through and post. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend if you guys are going to be <clears throat> out getting a camera that has SD cards, Get like two sixty fours or three thirty twos or something like that, so that way, when you're out there and you're recording, you're not ciphering through so much footage um, in post production with one big memory card. That's just my tip. I agree. Post production is huge. The Kelly got into the editing aspect of it quite a bit in the last year or two, and that's a ton of work. Oh it it is what you make of it. What, however, you know, you want it to be even more of a rabbit hole there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, GoPros, I don't really like them from the past. Uh, they're always a pain in the butt. We don't use them anymore. We don't, we don't like them either. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you for the money that you spend on a GoPro and it seems like six to seven months into it, the, the downturn in quality, like it drops off significantly. And then at the end of the one year of having it, you want to throw it away or throw it in the water. You don't even want to fuss <laughs> with it. That's just my opinion, but. I think it's so cool. They have all the different attachments and different right. accessories for it. And it's really appealing. You're like, wow, this is so cool. But it's just not functional. It just doesn't like you put the waterproof case on, you have no audio. 
Like right. you can put external mics, but that's a pain in the butt. Try to run wires out, and um, and some guys do it with good success. But uh, typically, I was getting with a, a back screen display on my GoPro. I had like a Hero Four or something. I haven't used it in years, but um, I would only get twenty minutes of battery. Right. And with these contours, I'm getting over two hours of straight recording. It's easier to turn on. I don't. I have better audio. There's and it's a fourth of the cost or a third of the cost. So it's kind of a no brainer for that. But again, they're not making them, so we better buy a couple before all these guys go out and buy them out from us. And there's probably other cameras on there. I've heard just that one click on. That's what we really yeah. like. That's what I didn't like about the GoPros. Hard to press that button, and you got to wait and turn it on. I can't afford that time on them action cameras. I want it so simple. Boom, one slide click, it's on and recording. That's huge. I think Tacticam has some great reviews, but I'm not sure about how they actually work. I've never used one, but I know they're highly recommended. Garmin's got one out there now, too, that you can get. Garmin's got a camera. Um, I'm trying to think of some other wide angle ones. I think uh, Ghost has an action cam. It's called the Ghost 2 or Ghost 1. It's kind of like the contours, like a one switch. Those are all great, but use them for 10, 15 yards and less. You cannot use them yeah. to capture your shot of your animal. Uh, you can if you want to show your buddy or something, but you'll there'll be some, you'll leave something to be desired Yeah, on them wide-angle ones. Let's talk about a little bit. You guys kind of talked a little bit about it before, but when it comes to camera placement in the field, I like your idea about having your main shooter camera out focusing on your game or whatever you're you're pursuing and then you have the wide angle attached to that same mount back at you i feel like that right there if you think about it you're already eliminating two things with one if that makes sense if you can hit record when you when you go to do your post edit or your post you're, you're getting that shot like you said of you so you don't have to worry about it set up on another branch or somewhere if it's all in one place it's easy to click both of them on yep. and then kind of like set it and forget it and then from there you're going to be able to, in post-edit, show your game. Then you can cut to you and then the game back and forth. Rather than if you put it on another branch somewhere else, you have to cl- click play over here, and then you have to click play in front of you. That's more movement. You can't afford the movement. You can't afford the movement. So I like that. That's mm-hmm. my first time ever the hearing The point of that. view is really cool. Kelly did it this year. Yeah, we have some really good footage this year of me trying to put a stalk on some white tail and like carrying the tripod so it's it's just real life you know and i kept the action camera going and, and carson's great at the ground hunting stuff and um carson taught me this year about how to stay behind the tree which i always used to stand in front of the tree or next to the tree and he always he taught me this year to stand directly behind the tree and have so you can kind of draw your bow behind the tree and then step out and have that camera right there next to you um, so i'm going to work on that for this year cameras um, you take your main, if you have one camera, that's all you got. You put it at the place where you're most likely to have the perfect scenario go down when you're hunting big game. So I'll put it on the forward to left range when I'm sitting in a tree stand. Hopefully the deer comes in this way. I might know my bedding area or um, a ravine or this would be my plan A. Then we'll have our action camera facing us to get our shots of our reactions. And sometimes they always do the opposite, right? They come behind you. They come from your right side. We got to stand up. It's very challenging to get that camera turned around in that direction. So you'd have to decide, I'm going to ditch the camera and make the shot. Or now I've been running another camera. So I put a camera. This is my plan B. If it's coming behind the tree or to the right, I have a camera set up this way to my right and behind me to capture the deer if they come behind me and sneak in i don't plan on using that one that covers my whole right side and behind me a shooter camera or a, a shooter wide camera angle? to capture the animal okay another video camera go go gadget and then i'll have my main camera in front of me stressful. going out towards where i hope the deer would go in front of me or to the left then i have my third camera facing back to capture that shot I get you. so it, it's a um, labor of love you have to sit there and it's set up you know 20 minutes setting this camera up getting this angle taping to this branch c-clamping and and then lee you know what he does after that <laughs> he hands me about eight hours of footage from four different cameras of the same thing and says hey cal make me look good okay and then i get to go to work that just yeah. started we used to edit a lot both but the other thing, too, is, like, if you know your camera's rolling and there's, like, you just have it rolling the entire time, start thinking about, like, times. If you have a watch, you yeah. shoot, look down, and, like, okay, so this far in, I want to make sure, like, I don't know, just from a post editing, I know what you, how you feel. Uh, 
you know, it can just make your post editing guy much happier. I think we started getting pretty decent at not filming dumb stuff. Like, just, <laughs> but then when the camera's not rolling, that's when you miss it. It yeah. is, but I mean, just try to get like yeah, like stuff squirrels running know. around over there. Like, you know, give him some ten seconds of love, but he don't need two hours of love. You know what I mean? Like, give him a little yeah. bit, like, give him some air time, but don't you don't need a whole bunch of that. I do stuff. think we've gotten better with that. What's your guys' setup now? <clears throat> And cameras when you're up in the tree stand. I know you said you got that one shooting behind you, but like, let's say I'm sitting in my tree stand. Um, what do you guys look for in a tree uh, or branches or what when it comes to organizing your equipment? I know you said you talked about when you're thinking about the angle that deer are going to be coming in, but like, what? Where would you start with like how to mount your your act or your uh, your shooter camera out in front of you? Does it is it attached to the stand? Is it on a branch? Like hmm. talk a little bit about like what you guys use to make sure that's accessible. So over 20 years, we have ghetto rigged up every kind of situation that you can imagine. Okay. So we, there's good ones you can buy. They go to the tree and Kel was talking earlier. A lot of guys use those, right? Yep. Uh, we've taken C clamps, broke off the top of the tripod, taped the tripod head the the pole and one of the cameras to that c clamp and now you can attach that to the front of your tree stand i like that way the best because the camera's sitting right below my knees and i can just barely move my hand from my knee to the camera and i can spin that all the way in front of me and all the way to the left so i have basically 180 degrees in front of me with a c clamp mounted to the base of my tree stand okay does that make sense <clears throat> And then we've rigged up everything else in between from branches and Cal take it from there. So I think everyone listening is saying, what are you talking about? Because I'm trying to listen and understand too. Basically, it's a C-clamp that's mounted directly as you're sitting in your tree stand right between your feet, your toes, right at the end of your tree stand. It goes up about a foot and then you have a normal tripod head attached to a camera. So that's his setup. It ends up being just a little bit lower than his knees. So you're sitting square in your tree stand and your main video camera is right in the center of your legs, but just a couple inches below your knees, if that makes sense. Now yep. that basically gives him 180 degrees in front of him and to his right and left that he's hoping that's where the deer comes in. From there, as you're sitting there, you don't have to move very much to sneak your hand in between your legs and to be able to just gently turn the tripod left or right. So now yeah, you yeah. you basically have your 180-degree field of vision. That's your main camera. That's our hope that that deer comes in front of the tree stand. Our second camera, for me personally, I think it's a little different for Carson, is where I grab my bows. My bows hang in just conveniently to my left there so I can just kind of gently reach up and grab it. And my action camera is just slightly higher where it hangs. And I just reach up, slide that forward. So now my action camera's on me the whole time. My main camera's out in front. And the goal is for us to shoot sitting down. That's the goal. Our goal is so that the, hopefully the deer comes to our left or straight out in front of us and we can shoot sitting. I know a lot of people don't like that, but we personally do well at it. And once you get it set, you could stand up if you wanted to. I mean, once it's set, but a lot of times I'll leave it wide. And I'll get like a tree or a dark place in the camera. And I know I'm covered from here to here. So if the deer's coming, it's a lot of extra work. It's for experienced hunters. So yeah. you're trying to get the deer to come in. You're trying to guess the yardage, pick your angle of your shot, turn your cameras on, judge the camera. All right, I'm going to take it 10 steps in front of it. When it gets to that hole, that's when I'm going to make my shot. Then it changes direction. Oh crap. Am I going to make the shot or am I going to let go and readjust the camera and re get my release back on my D ring to go ahead and make this shot? This is all self filming. It's quite challenging. And then, uh, then I run a second camera for the 180 degrees behind me, um, which I hope not to turn that one on. But if I f stand up and flip around, Boom, I have another camera set up the whole way behind us. Yep. You can see how it gets pretty. Well, you got to think too, like you really got to think about when you get out there about where your cameras are at. Because now you got to think like, all right, how far, if I'm right-handed and I, I'm, I'm drawing back, I can swing way to my left yeah, to right. shoot, yep. but I can't go too far right. So maybe that camera more over to the right would make more sense or, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you can point it back to the left, but I, I know that's getting a little confusing to folks, but think about how you swing on the animal when it comes in because that's going to have a lot i think i mean you'd have to swing way left and smoke your camera and then big boy it's a off. little off mm -hmm. subject too but we believe in going you know i would say higher than most people 
we have lone wolf sticks that we can adjust the height. And the reason that's important is because we have a lot of extra movement with camera gear, right? right yeah. So either a ton of back cover for me, the more the better. You know, if we can get tucked in a couple of groups of trees or some pines, the more back cover, you know, the better off we're going to be. And then for me, it's just a matter of getting up high enough to not be picked. You know, I don't want to be in that, you know, 10 to 14 foot range. I want to be in that 18 to 26, 28 foot range, depending on the tree, depending on the wind, depending on the scenario. So does, if there's another cameraman out there, then do you guys just bring extra sticks or you bring? Nope. Same tree. You just put the other stand right behind you. So we'll go 180. So one, the hunter will face one way. The camera guy will face directly the other way. I gotcha. It's extremely convenient because then you don't have to look around the tree the whole time and you can just kind (laughs) of each watch one way. And then that the camera guy usually just stands up and films right over the shoulder of the main hunter. So talk about that. So we're going to do now two people, one hunter, one cameraman. Yeah, that, this, that falls in the same kind of thing that we were talking about when it comes to placement. So now we just talked about gear placement. Now let's talk about if you're going out with someone hunting placement. So go ahead. You just said, say it again. So you get one one setup, right? Yeah, one setup. So it's the same setup we do all the time. We hang and hunt religiously. I, I'm a huge fan and believer of that, of keeping scent out of there and not going in there for the first time only to hunt. Uh, so we'll just simply take our four or five foot uh, or four or five lone wolf sticks or three foot. With that, I can easily get 25 foot in the air. So I'll just hang each stick as I go. I'll climb the tree with my lone wolf on my back. And your safety harness and my the whole time. safety harness is around the tree. So as I right. shimmy yep. about my line and belt. Yep. I do the same thing. And uh, so I'm secured to the tree. I have my sticks going up. They're all hanging off my sides. I have clips and I hang them. So I only do one trip up the tree. And then once I get up there, I take my stand off, hang it on. Um, and then typically I'll lower a rope down. The other guy can... You know, either I'll pull his stand up or he can carry a stand up on his back. Either way, I'll pull up my pack and my bow and one trip up the tree. I'm up and I set them lone wolves. They're so easy, man. Right. You set them up in two minutes. So, um, but then both guys are up there facing 180 degrees opposite direction and the hunt is on. Then with that, you still set up your action camera to mainly catch the hunter, but maybe the hunter and the cameraman. Yep. So the action's still mm-hmm. pointing at him. The action cameras are close just to get our reactions and then the camera guy now is taping the animal okay yeah we actually ran two action cams in indiana yep we did it a lot more this year i think it was uh like a labor of love how much you wanted the video you either wanted to hunt or you wanted a video and cow was in video mode and that's so. probably something else worth worth mentioning is is when you get serious it's for me, it's Carson's not hard, but it's, it's a hard decision. Do you care more about the video or do you care more about the hunt? And when I have someone filming me, if I'm hunting, I can't believe how crazy it sounds, but it's just like easy. Like, oh my God, all I have to do is hunt. I just have to worry about the deer <laughs> and it, like really holding is. my bow back when I normally have 10 things going on at one yeah. time. And like, and you're watching that side of the tree, like this is crazy, you know? So it's, uh, it's an experience, but you will have to make that decision at one point of, do you want to let your bow back down and readjust the camera, or are you just going to take the shot? And everyone's answer is going to be different on that. It's just what's more important to you. I think it's situational, too. The biggest deer of your life, you know, is not going to be on video because it's five feet out of frame. Are you going to shoot or not? And all the answers are okay. Just what you it's want. Just what right. you want of it, yeah. What are going to do? And, and I think, like, that's what you can put your mark on it, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like when you start to make these videos, like if you're known for something or you really like a certain aspect or a certain shot or angle or view or something like that, like that's when you can really get into, you know, making your mark on it of however you want your videos to be set up, not only convenient for you, but also for enjoyable to, for you to watch after your, your audience or whoever you're filming for. If your main goal was to hunt, I would still recommend bringing a camera out there setting it at your perfect scenario if it comes exactly what you want go press record if the animal's not there still have that on record even just the sound and your reaction in the arrow flight it's pretty cool to show people oh my god yeah this got him whack all that sounded perfect or did you hear that bang afterwards like even if you actually miss the actual shot if it all works out perfect great and if it doesn't it's still cool to have and you know, every other time or every third time, it'll work out perfect. You'll get it on there and bring the camera, flip it on, keep it on wide, and maybe don't even move it. Just if it comes right here, I got it on camera. If it doesn't, you know, start there, and then you'll you'll learn and grow from there. 
Yeah, you'll have to make that a decision eventually. I did last year in Ohio. I shot my biggest archery buck, and I didn't get it on tape. <laughs> Tom, Tom's usually the shoot, for sure. Yeah. I, the video's cool, but the hunt's cooler, and uh, it just different stages. Do you wish you would have got it on video? Oh, God, it was the best shot I ever made. It was a yeah. 50-yard shot out of a tree stand, and I, I absolutely smoked and watched him drop, and, and I didn't get any of it on tape. He pulled the wheelie, <laughs> landed on his back. The reaction yeah. was pretty cool, he said. It was super cool. And awesome. I I had deer underneath me and uh, I was having trouble moving the camera and it was a super far shot. I ended up uh, sliding down out of my seat and getting on my knees on the platform so I could shoot through a little hole. And uh, I just did not get it. I didn't take the time to get it on film. Didn't no, even no try. one's not going to believe you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it happened. I got the deer in my living room on the wall. So. <laughs> got a big dat in the front bumper of a yeah. truck. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. You know, when, well, getting back to just the side note real quick about learning behaviors out there, like, I remember watching your guys' video um, last year of your Ohio hunt and whoever shot at that buck five times or something like that. <laughs> oh, like, boy. If you were to talk, if you were to, like, say a story about that, no one would believe that. But, like, watching mm. that deer, like, not knowing where those arrows came from, it, you saw how windy it was and yeah. it, it was confused. It didn't know what was going on. Like, that was such a learning lesson for me personally because it's like, all right, when it's really, really windy out – maybe you can screw up a little bit more. Maybe you can be sure. a little bit more riskier in the stand to do something because those deer, that just showed me that those deer and that mature deer is just as confused on the ground in bad weather conditions, um, you know, as we are up in the, in the tree stand. Mm -hmm. like we always assume they can hear everything and just be all knowing, but really it was kind of cool to see them that vulnerable. Jay Bird, I hope you're listening. Love, Love you, Jay Bird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was four shots. I better crack it. Oh. I know he's rolling over his <laughs> grave right now. So. And if you say that, it sounds like, oh, you're absolutely horrible. Like, who shoots four times at a deer? But if you watch the video, you're like, oh, he got him. Oh, he smoked him here. Yeah. Oh, I see why yeah. he missed. He hit his elbow here. And like, they're like, okay, I, I kind of see where you're coming from now. You have and he hit it three out of four times. Yeah. He's and lighting he them up. Just kept, oh, That's seventy five percent. It would have, it, it would have died too. In all fairness, like that would have, it would have died. He just put it out as misery quicker, like right. <laughs> but that video changes your whole perspective when you can totally. actually share that. So, like, totally. if I'm just telling you that it's it's not the same to oh, them as watching it. Yeah, when I watched that. I was like, no way. But it was a really really cool, big learning lesson. But yeah, that was a something to to, to note. Um, I mentioned it a little bit, but I think it's worth mentioning again is we use our cell phones. We all have nice new cell phones. We use that primarily for pictures, which Tom is the man at taking great, awesome pictures. Um, always horizontal, not vertical, which we talked about. Um, but we use that for a time lapse. So my Samsung has a time lapse built right into okay. it. It's called hyperlapse on my phone, same thing. But those are so nice to set on tripods. And when we're loading a trucker, unloading a trucker, we're walking to the stand yeah. or if we're getting a sunrise or sunset, those are great little fillers to put in. A lot of, a lot of editors will call that B-roll, just little um, little clips in there to kind of enhance that or to tell that story, if you will. Um, so cell phones are huge. And then same thing with your own footage. Uh, just getting a picture of the overview of, you know, what that scenery looks like. And um, sure. a lot of our videos have that. It's just a nice touch. It's not necessary, but it's your... Uh, you know, makes that quality a little better. The other thing for new people, um, seemed like a great idea at the time for me to attach a camera to my bow. And I, now I highly recommend not doing that, not attaching it to your bow or gun. And the reason for that is, yeah, it's convenient and, and there's, there's a place for it, but you'll get all the leading up to it. You get the animal coming in, everything's going perfect. And right as you're ready to shoot, even with the top brand new bows, it shakes and you miss that money shot. You miss that money second. And then you're distracted. So then your camera kind of goes off. So you get all leading up and right when you want that shot, it's shaky and it moves and it goes away. Sure. And you're like, oh, dang it. That goes with guns and bows, both of them. And we've done that many times. We've taped cameras to the bottom of our gun barrels and taped them on our stabilizer and had ones that are made for them go in your stabilizer and um it's cool. It's better than nothing for sure. And it's awful yeah. easy. You can make a record, but it's not the same as having a camera attached somewhere else where you actually get the arrow flight and the impact. Yeah. If you want to get that kind of view too, I put it on your head more because you're, yep. that's always going to go like what your brain's thinking. Mm -hmm. Like if you're panicking or you're, you're always looking to see where it goes, if it's on top of your head, that wide angle will look that way or probably be a little bit more stable as you release that, 
that arrow or something. I don't know. Carson's the man for that. I do that, but it gets uncomfortable. It saved us quite a few times because we didn't get the shot on the hand camera. Right. Um, a lot of bow fishing shots, Texas alligator gars, and yep. even alligator um, happens so quick. A fish surfaces or that split second, and um, we didn't have the cameras on, but he had his action cameras contoured on his head. And um, the footage was awesome. Like, and it saved can, us. You can see the bow. You can see your hand. Yeah. Like, it, it's pretty cool. When you wear it for six, eight hours, oh, man, it's rough. I got the <laughs> solo cam little goofy head piece, but it does the job. Um, I guess, like, when we're talking about other gear, too, like, we can get into this just a little bit. But, like, for post-edit, um, you've got this great footage. You've got the camera. You started recording stuff. Another thing to do is, you know, you got to play around a little bit with what you actually recorded um for me i use adobe premiere uh again that kind of goes with my photography on the side of things i i buy like a package and i can get like lightroom um photoshop and then adobe and that's like you can buy it all at once or it's just a monthly payment of like 10 bucks so if you think you can afford that it's in your budget cool um there's some free things if you own apple products you can use uh, imovie um i use imovie when I was broke in college, I don't know how many times for making like videos and stuff like that, short clips you could throw together. You can make a really, really good um, video and or uh, uh, experience of your hunt in iMovie. Um, what other ones do you guys use? I use Premiere Pro, but that's new. That's when we kind of, we right. used to have a, a Video Wave 7 program back in the day that Carson and I used to edit on. And, uh, you know, Premiere is just it's in a different category right, i think yeah. i was told they made transformers with premiere like it's crazy and they're always updating it um i use epidemic sound is uh i have a yep uh, service with them for my my music just uh, with any kind of music just make sure that your rights are um you know your legalities are good as far as what you have permission to use the music for right and yeah tell them about that um easy one with the drone uh, DJI, which is the, uh, we have a Mavic mini drone. Um, it's made by DJI and they have an app that, uh, you can download. You don't have to own a drone to download the app. Um, uh, but if you have content on your phone or access on your phone to have that content, you can edit them super easy right in your hand. So we edited one little short, uh, you know, a couple minute video on the way to Ohio one time. So, uh, but great. You can add music. You just pull the videos right from your phone. Even if you didn't record anything from the actual drone, you can just very easily cut, cut, paste, yeah. delete, and add some music really simply. Know your drone rules too, before you start flying them everywhere. <laughs> They're different in every state. Yeah. By the, by the mini. Yeah. By the many 249 grams, you won't get in trouble. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. So let's just go around real quick and kind of sum it up. Um, one thing that you've messed up on in the past when it came to videoing that you would like to wish you paid attention to or changed or something to look forward to. Um, I'll give you my, I'll go first. And I'll give you mine. When I was the, the very first time that I tried to record a hunt, um, this was a long time ago and it didn't work out well at all was my camera. I could not shut off when I turned it on or I hit play the beeping sound before you hit play. <laughs> so you got to think about that. You got to make sure your camera, most cameras, you can silence the action of hitting play. But like when I or play, I'm sorry, record, when I hit record, it made like this long chime sound as it was recording. And that was it. There was nothing else to do. And the deer ran off and like, <laughs> I gave up filming any hunt after that until just this year for turkeys. But one thing you want to remember is just like, know your equipment. And that's one of them. Make sure that's, that's on silent. So mine is going to be audio this year. That's KP here. I am working diligently for audio. We have some lavalier mics that we're planning on using. Um, I have one in front of me here. It's a Movo WMX1. It's about 120 bucks on Amazon. Super cheap. Great reviews. Again, that's made by Movo. Um, we're not sponsored to get any kickbacks here. This is an honest review. Um, they just have a transmitter receiver plug into any camera, and your subject can be up to, you know, I believe it's, uh, they claim like 60 meters away, okay. and you'll have perfect audio. So I'm really excited to use lavalier mics, uh, both hunting and in interview settings, as well as getting our external mic center cameras better. So in the last couple of years, we've 
uh, we're, we're trying to get better at better audio. So how many mics did you get with that package? Does it come with two or is it just one? Uh, so this, uh, this WMX one is a single lavalier mic system. So it's made for one lab mic, but they also make a two lab mic system. And that one runs for roughly 170, 180 bucks on Amazon right now. Okay. So I'm what do you actually, mean by lab mic? You're talking about like the clip-on things. Yes, like clip-on. Uh, you can clip them on your shirt, inside, outside, anywhere. And those are the little fuzzy things that you see people wear on TV shows, or if you've seen commercials or product reviews or whatever. Okay. Um, so and that just records. Uh, actually, this one is phenomenal because it records right to my actual camera audio. So it doesn't return, uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't record to like an SD drive oh, I where that. I have to sync and post. Okay. So now when I turn this camera on, my uh, my receiver and transmitter are actually recording right to the camera audio. So it's I got, yeah. very easy to cut and paste. That's a really big thing when you're talking about audio is how are you going to sync all this together? Good so, hot tip there. I'm going to go with uh, being more diligent about trying to videotape uh as pain the butt it is bringing the camera into the woods and all this stuff that the moment you don't bring it you're gonna shoot something i've never regretted videoing something but i've regretted not getting it on tape right so i'm gonna try to be better about uh bringing a camera to the woods with me and it's like a personal goal or challenge too a it little, is a little something you can set out there to kind of like change it up if you've been hunting for a long time it's kind of cool like well let me see if i can get away with i would just make it your own you know if uh don't let it stress you out if you enjoy it then go with it if you if you don't enjoy it then don't do it good point we'll buy it for cheap <laughs> don't zoom in too much it's a very rookie mistake everybody does it they try to zoom in too much on their main camera leave it backed out a little bit you'll get more in the frame you'll be happier with your product don't zoom in I got one more tip. Sorry, I thought of it as we were going around. Mm -hmm. This last year when I went to Alaska, I bought um, one of those solar chargers. And it's a great way, especially if you're doing backcountry trips, um, to invest in that because it's almost like a must nowadays with um, – because it can charge your phone. It can charge your batteries for your your cameras. And, uh, you know, I just clipped mine on my pack when we were hiking during the day. Off the back, they've got, like, little clips on there, like um, carabiners. And then, like, it's just – I, I would run those cords to whatever was charging in my pack and uh, it was getting sun the whole time because I was walking around or if we're just sitting there glassing, I'd whip that thing out and uh, they're super lightweight. Um, and Which it, one did you use? I, goal zero. Goal zero. It like folds Same up. One you had. Really? There's yeah. different models. Yeah, though. there's different models. It kind of like folded into like like a book almost okay. or sometimes they just look like a big square, like big battery charger too. Um, did you have good consistent sun? Uh, no. So in Alaska, as you guys know, the weather changes all the time, so mm-hmm. it's in and out. But even when it's cloudy out, you'll see like on your bars, like when it, it'll tell you like what amount of sun or UV it's getting, it's still charging something, even on a cloudy day. So something is better than nothing, you know what I mean? So like sure. if you're out there, it might take, you know, what, when the sun was out, I could charge my phone in like 35 minutes oh, wow. when it was all the way down on zero. So I used the one same brand a little bit smaller of one around here when it was full sun i set it out on the driveway or something it worked great it charged all the book up charged my phone when we were in colorado we were in the dark timber the whole time the trees overcast and it, it was horrible um same same exact device but we're in shade most time i put on my pack the whole time even when we set it out in the opening you're only getting a little bit of sunlight because the trees are blocking it so that's true where you're at made a pretty big difference yeah that's mm-hmm. that's something to think about too i guess when i was in alaska it was more like we we're just out out in the open i mean at the base of the mountain yeah. up there it's more tundra so there's not like a lot of big trees or anything like that so i guess i didn't think about that but even like if you get back at camp and you've got an area and if it's open um find out wherever that is just kind of set it and forget it kind of thing and i don't know it's something cool i think that everyone should keep in their bag and yeah something worth we struggled with that too. in colorado that was that was a challenge we, started carrying uh i carried up uh, a battery pack okay it was like a 30 megahertz bag a 30,000 milliamp i think it is yeah that lasted a couple days no 30,000 30,000 31,000 or something i got one more camera tip yeah yeah i think it's uh one of the most important ones is to use your gear and try your gear 
And I think a lot of times people want to seek advice when all you really have to do is use it. Get your Start hands on recording. these things, turn your camera on in your living room and walk away and see how long it records. Does it record for 20 minutes or 20 hours? See how long your batteries last. See how much footage you can get on your SD card. That'll tell you if you have enough. Can you get, you know, two hours or 20 hours? All that's really important. Test your audio. Test your cords that you have. Like yeah. all that stuff just... Get your hands on the stuff. Use it. You can always return stuff. You can always sell stuff. But you can't gain the knowledge that you don't have. And the only way to get that is by using the stuff. I can't stress that enough. Set up your tree stand 20 times in your own backyard and clamp all your cameras on and practice the stuff. It's it's the only way to get better at doing it. Good advice. Less clumsy in the field. Uh All right. Well, I I could almost bet in the future we're going to do another one maybe – 201 this is 101 we'll do 201 <laughs> and uh we'll also get back on like what worked for us this year um we're going on different trips one to montana congratulations on your guys's draw for elk in colorado so we're going different parts of the country kind of but uh we'll definitely be able to talk to see like what worked and what didn't work and then obviously here in michigan you know we're whitetail season duck hunting stuff like that we're you know filming all the time so we'll be able to give reviews of different scenarios of hunting and stuff like that as well so uh that's it folks thanks for listening thanks see you next time